Welcome back to WMUL 88.1, The Cutting Edge. You're now listening to Communication Breakdown. I'm Abigail Cunningham here in Detroit, Michigan with Jack Costo and Adrian Cowan of Symphonic Metal Band Seven Spires. Hi guys. Hey. <laughs> hey, how's it going? So just for our listeners who might be inf- unfamiliar with you guys, go ahead, introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about how the band got started. I do understand you two are the founding members, right? More or less. Yeah. So, so I'm Jack. <laughs> and I'm Adrian. <laughs> this is obviously a joke. Yeah, uh, yeah. people can't see, so that's yeah, not yeah, a very yeah. good joke. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Anyway, so uh, I, I'm Jack. I play guitar, um, and I'm also one of the main songwriters with Adrian. We sort of met in the bookstore in college, actually buying books for our first semester, and just kind of had the moment of, like, you're cool, we should do some music. I was wearing a Nightwish shirt. Def Leppard was playing on the radio. It was like it was like something out of like a stupid like T movie or something. I was like, "That's the one. We got to do some stuff." And and I gave him my business card, and he was like, "All right, call me if you ever get the rest of your symphonic metal band together." And I was like, "What? What do you mean if?" <laughs> Obviously, he didn't know me at the time, so that's forgivable. <laughs> Sorry. That, that, go ahead. Yeah, uh, that, that's pretty much it. Um, we we struggled a little bit to find the current lineup, but when when Pete and Chris joined in 2015, 2014, 2015, it like everything really kind of locked into place, and that's the the Seven Spires you know today. So, Adrian, your vocal range is insane. The show was amazing, both of you, first (laughs) of all. But I did want to ask you, do you have a lot of experience, obviously, with your just singing voice, but then there's the screaming. So what sort of made you go, that's what I'm going to do, and how did you learn to do that, decide that was what you wanted? Okay, well, it's sort of a long story because I've always been, my mom said I was my life was a musical even when I was a kid so I take that to me and I was very annoying went around the house singing all the time Uh, and I was always in musical productions theatrical stuff and at some point I realized that I just I'm not very good at dancing and act like straight plays acting is not really my thing I would much rather communicate through singing basically that's my preferred way of telling stories and I started taking classical voice lessons when I was 12 um, although I'd done choir in my first performance at three years old and I had done classical piano lessons before that and at some point I think I discovered Ingve Malmsteen and Children of Bodom and I was like metal is cool <laughs> it's like being in theater but more angry more dark more theatrical and more fire so <laughs> yeah and that's that's yeah basically how I ended up doing it but if you're asking about how did I start screaming yeah ah, okay so um I was in a basically a trade school in England for two years and for music and one of the extracurricular activities every Monday night we had a metal ensemble and so all the metal kids from the music school would get together and jam a song and um, so I remember the first one we did was Annihilator but we did all kinds of genres everything from Amaranth to Arch Enemy we t- I think we did a death song um, Rammstein Iron Maiden of course and so the instructor who ran this course, course really challenged me to find my voice in the metal world and um, that was where I started screaming. Something I want to touch on in your answer there is the storytelling aspect of the band and sort of this niche genre corner of the metal world you've gotten yourselves into. So how would you guys describe sort of your vibe and then how did you find that niche and talk a little bit about how important storytelling is within that? Sure. I mean, do you want to give this one a shot? 
No. No. Okay. We we like to write stories basically, and um, even though each song can maybe stand on its own, hopefully with you know somebody can just hear one song on the radio and it's totally cool. There's sort of themes and stories going through an album as a whole that are hopefully in there pretty obviously as well. But you want to sure? How would I describe our vibe? Anytime someone says this, I say we're like the illegitimate child of like Camelot and Demi Borgir and Flesh God sort of appeared. And then Tomas Holopena opened the hotel room door and saw what was happening and said, no. And then close the door. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, we basically write stories about feelings. And I think a lot of my personal like lyricism and general themes like that, it comes from... Basically, I moved around so much when I was a kid, so I didn't really have anything that was consistent except for music that I was either listening to or learning how to write. And so that was the only thing that was there for me always and so I think um, so much of our music is based in like that inner world and yeah the like pirate stuff is just because I, I like the ocean you know like if you if you stand on the shore and you like look into the horizon and you think wow so many possibilities so many places to go so much beauty so much darkness you don't know what's beneath and it's like so serene but so powerful yeah. also I think um, I'm super super more interested in the sort of things that like okay what is a sailor from like the 18th or 19th century experiencing on a day to day basis what sort of lore and like horror stories are they telling each other what kind of struggles are they going through because I mean, when you take away the the this the skin of the problems, we we've always just been experiencing hardships throughout the the decades, the centuries, and um, I think overcoming struggles is just a part of being a human. So, yeah. Anyway, it's good to make something beautiful out of out of your painful experiences. I think. Yeah. That's what my therapist says. <laughs> she says she's proud of me. <laughs> Jack, specifically. Also, amazing show. The guitar work. I don't play the guitar, so I don't know that much, but I thought it was very impressive. Thank you so much. <laughs> I hope so. That's the goal. And um, I saw that you recently started working with Blackheart. Yes. And yeah, yeah. you got your newest guitar from them, right? Yeah, I was playing it tonight. Yes, yes. So how do you like that guitar? How's working with them going for you? Uh, it's really awesome, actually. So the the first um, thing that we did with Blackheart actually wasn't the guitar company, but they have an adjacent coffee company. And so we have a roast of coffee with them. And that was the first thing. Um, the, the guy who runs and owns both companies is an absolute maniac. He's like one of the craziest people <laughs> I've ever met, like militant vegan and just like really kind hearted and like a total dreamer. So he approached me with the idea of doing a guitar and he said, you know, I'm really inspired by your music. Can I build something for you? I'm sort of thinking in this direction. And I was like, yeah, okay. I just want to make sure we have this, this and this like technical specs and um, stuff like that. And he just kind of disappeared for a while and then came back with like a mock-up that was the guitar I'm basically playing now. And there was very little adjustment made because he really did a lot of homework on what I like and um, what I've been playing for the last 10 years or so. And yeah, he, he came back with this instrument. I, I tried it and it was sort of like 
playing the Mona Lisa or something, you know? Yeah, so that's how that started. We're working on more like a, like a production model or something like this and some more custom ones for me to play because that one like needs to start staying at home because it's like one of a kind. Um, but I had to road test it to, uh, you know. But yeah, that, that's how it started actually through the coffee company and just uh, bonding over a nice good cup of bean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, the the previous question about the genres, he his his name is Zeus, and he has been throwing around the genre Philharmonic Sadcore, <laughs> and so I've been kind of spreading that a little bit because I think it's really funny. <laughs> Philharmonic Sadcore. Yeah. <laughs>
about the process of getting that together and how you're feeling about putting that out next week. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, the album's live at Prague Power USA 21, which refers to the number of festival and not the year because it <laughs> happened in 2022. But yeah, we we were invited to play that festival after one of the the mid bands on the bill had to cancel for I think unfortunate reasons. So we were invited there. We show up the day of the show. We had all this good stuff planned, and they say backstage, kind of before our sound check time. By the way, we can record it if you want. Like you know let us know we were like oh okay that's probably cool and we played the show as expected and it it was just kind of a really magical night like it, it went super well the fans were really great we had a very special guest appearance and afterwards we were all just kind of like i'm so glad that this was recorded we have to do something with this that was all the preparation like normally for a live album or live dvd or something everybody gets in like a day or two before the show setting up recording gear setting up cameras like specifically for this thing and we had like a 25 minute sound check or something like that to get it all together so the fact that it even exists is amazing (laughs) and the mix is really good Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of tours, I know you guys have been doing a lot of that recently. You guys were most recently in Europe, right? So how was that experience? What differences did you notice maybe touring between the U.S. and Europe? Okay, so how is it different? It was our first Nightliner experience, so we never had a tour bus before. And it was 22 musicians and two drivers on a 24-bunk bus, so it was full. Right. Um, luckily, everyone was extremely nice. There was not one single bad person. I'm trying not to swear. Not one single bad person on the bus. And we all became fast friends. And I'm still in touch with, actually, the group chat from the tour is still active. <laughs> so in terms of, like, what's different, I mean, catering, for example. We had catering every day that we would get into the venue, and they would take care of us for dinner. Usually in the States, we get buyouts. I, I mean, what else was different? European crowds, I felt like they're a little bit harder to impress. That was what I heard, but we were, I felt that we were well-received, and I did not feel that they were very hard to impress. I don't know. You want to you wanna say some I, stuff? I guess so, yeah. One, one thing that is definitely different than touring in the States is that, like, there's a, a the countries, speak, they speak a different language every day. Oh, yeah, that was and, and then the different crowds react differently to certain things, so you kind of have to pick up really quick on, like, oh, they really liked when I did that, but nobody reacted when I did that. So you, you kind of have to adjust your performance to the particular crowd a little more than over here and speak a little clearer and this oh, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what else? I mean, other than that, it's metal fans are metal fans. Yeah. You know, it's everybody's just there to have a really good time. Any specific show or anything that happened specifically that you really enjoyed or remember very clearly? Yeah, I mean, what, what can we say? <laughs> The last day of the tour is, um, it's it's pretty well understood in general that, like, it, at least I think when the bands get along and stuff like that, that there are pranks that are pulled on the last day of tour. So we were, we were out with a band called Twilight Force. They're an amazing power metal band, mostly out of Sweden, and they sing a lot about magic and dragons and fantasy and this kind of stuff, so... 
with our tour manager and the, the rest of the tour, we all decided it would be a really good idea to order these inflatable dragon rider costumes. So, like, you stand in this thing, and there's, like, basically an inner tube of inflatable dragon in front of you, and then a head that comes out. And so we got, like, four or five of these. And, and inflatable and, swords. Yeah, and in, inflatable swords. And, like, everybody stormed the stage during uh, one of the moments in their set wearing these things and just started, like, you know, fighting, sword fighting. And they played almost a whole song with just, like, 20 people on the stage. So that was that was one of the most memorable moments for sure. But, I mean, every single night on that tour was just a riot. Like, it, you know, it was everybody was up super late, but just laughing and, you know, screaming Backstreet Boys at the top oh of our lungs. And it, <laughs> yeah. was, it was so fun. And the... The, like the Numa Numa song and the Scat yeah, Man, yeah, like we all, still all carry these old meme songs, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like the early two thousands. <laughs> that was really great. Yeah, I would say probably the thing that stuck with me most about the store is that it was just so incredibly pleasant and kind and wholesome, and it put in stark contrast when we weren't treated as well. I guess so. It, it was very much like here's how it should have been always, and that set the standard for what's okay and what we will stand up for ourselves for against. So, yeah. That was a really good answer. Thanks. (laughs) Usually Jack gives the really good
just a little bit. I know that Emerald Seas was released in early 2020, right before the world shut down. How was it for you guys trying to navigate marketing that album in lockdown when you couldn't tour or anything? And how has the transition back into playing live venues like this full of people been for you? We were... S Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the sad part about that album cycle for us is that when everything shut down, everything shut down. By the time anything was happening again, it was old news. So there, there really wasn't much touring that we got to do. No amount of marketing was as good of news as what it was the news at the time, you know? So it really did kind of stop us dead in the water. We were actually supposed to tour with Omnium Gatherum uh, and Insomnium for that, and then, you know, some other cool stuff later on in the year, but it, it really just the whole rug of our entire year got pulled out from under us, and I think most of us responded to that by drinking heavily and <laughs> playing video games for, like, two months solid. And, yeah, we were, we were basically really, really depressed, and then we decided enough's enough, we can work on a new album, and then when everything open up, opens up again, we'll have something to really, you know, we'll, we'll have used our time wisely, and we can hit the ground running when it's time. And that became Gods of Debauchery, the, the, our third album. I think it's also, like, because we're a band that writes about our feelings, man, that show was a time full of feelings. So, I mean, that was a great way to process, like, the... the depression that we all went through because also the four of us really our whole life all four of us was based on being touring musicians so everything that we were was just gone and we had to not only process that but at least I had to find who am I outside of this and that was a very tumultuous experience yeah. and we we had to deal with also like anyone on the news or in the government basically saying we're the least essential people on the planet oh. you know like that you can't hear that every day without being a little broken inside and uh the worst part i think was never knowing when it was going to be over because yeah it was like another lockdown another lockdown another lockdown and i know it's the same for everybody but yeah it was that was rough buddy <laughs> But thankfully, um, when, when things did open up, we got on a really good tour with Dragon Force and Firewind last year, and we were finally able to play some of those songs live from Emerald Seas that we didn't get to before. So that, you know, that was a very joyous experience to get back on stage and to see the fans again and just play music for people again, play music together again. We couldn't even see each other for a huge portion of that. Yeah, so... And, like, we're all each other's best friends, so that was also very weird. We would do, like, Zoom calls just to be like, hi! <laughs> <laughs> Are any of you dead? <laughs> yeah. But I will say, um, during the pandemic, I started a Patreon, and I started being really super active with my Discord community, and that was an incredible... Uh, I don't want to call it, like, a marketing experience, but what we got out of that when the world was open again and when we could tour was this beautiful community of people so every city we know that there's somebody that's basically like family to us so we no longer feel like we're going out into unmapped darkness it's just like okay I know that these people are going to be there and it's going to be okay and that word of mouth and that comfort of knowing that loved ones are going to be there has done I mean for me it makes touring so much more sustainable um, and yeah the support the support system has been absolutely incredible and I'm so thankful for them <laughs> so my last question I always like to ask since I am from a college radio station what advice would you give to any of our college listeners out there do you want to go first I I think the the advice that I 
was given when I was going to college that kind of got me to where I am now, which is exactly where I want to be, is that it's okay to follow your exact passion, only have a plan A and go after that, because you really only get one chance to pursue a lot of things when you're this young, when you're going through, you know, it, it just gets harder and harder, especially with the arts, but really in any career to, to wait and wait and do something late. So take the time to find out what it is that you're really passionate about and then go for it full force, plan A, don't look back. And I feel like that's how you're going to end up where you want to be. That was a great answer. I think I would say something similar just know that this too shall pass and it's okay if you end up doing spending time doing things that aren't in line with what you wanted all along just further defines what you want and what you don't want so it's good to try a lot of things and I mean you go to college to overwork yourself so at least you know how to say no to people at the end and you know exactly what the right thing will look like whether that's the right people in your life or whether that's the right job opportunities. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? I can believe it. You can believe it? Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> and that is everything that I have for you guys today. Thank awesome. you so much for taking the time. Thank you, too. And that was Communication Breakdown. Thank you so much to Seven Spires for taking the time to talk with me. And thank you for listening. Before we go, here's one more from Seven Spires. Have a great night.
In your eyes, in your hair, undone.